I think that you know th this component was invented as a motivational tool for people and tool for retain like to retain people in the company and yes if you like the trick with equity is that to make most of it you have to join a smaller company on an early stage because the earlier you join the cheaper equity actually costs and the more you get and if you stay long enough and then if the company grows and becomes successful uh, you can become rich equity finance money pharma health tech non-clinical being paid well these are all words that we use again and again and again and again in this upcoming episode. So if you are looking for financial stability in your career move and you want to find out which career options pay well as a doctor, then don't miss this episode. Let's face it. Burnout amongst doctors is sky high and we're actively seeking other ways to make the most of our transferable skills beyond the usual career pathways. Welcome to Disrupting Doctors' Careers. I'm your host, Dr. Abena Bubbers-Jones, and I'm on a mission to connect one million doctors across the world with the best in diverse career opportunities. Hi, welcome to today's episode of Disrupting Doctors' Careers, and we have a treat guest for you. It's none other than Dr. Anna Klepchakova, who is the Chief Medical Officer of Flow Health. So we'll be talking a little bit about what she does, but today's discussion is focused on alternative careers for doctors that pays well. Yes, pays with a P. We are talking about money. <laughs> So I always say, you know, none of us went into medicine because we were really passionate about earning a lot of money. Otherwise, we would all be in the finance sector uh, or hedge fund man managers or in banking. Right. <laughs> but especially when you are changing careers, money is an important factor to consider, especially when you have other commitments, financial commitments such as a mortgage, a lifestyle. The cost of living is going up inflation is going up. So yes, money is important. And so yes, we are going to talk about that, frankly. <laughs> right? So because I see a lot of doctors, they still want to talk about it, but it is important. And that's fine. So we're going to talk about what types of alternative careers for doctors um, actually pay well, who are worth going into, and that will help um, support your financial stability plans. And Anna, who has got a wealth of experience moving from clinical medicine to uh, non-clinical and is a leader in a whole variety of ways, which we'll find out a little bit more about. Uh, she's got a broad range of experience in different sectors, so she can uh, join this conversation to uh, help us answer that question. So welcome, Anna. Yeah, thank you for inviting me. Um, and the topic that we would be discussing today, I think that's what actually pushed me to changing my career from clinical into big pharma and then IT. So like uh, when you when you invited me and you announced the topic, I was very excited to discuss it because I have I have many stories to share. Awesome, awesome. And yeah, especially at a time when you've just moved to the UK 
And consultants, at the time of this recording, consultants in the UK have just announced they are planning to strike over pay. And this is after junior doctors have been through a number of days of striking over pay. So uh, this is a really pertinent discussion. So let's start with, as I say to Anna, this is all going to be mainly about you and your stories. Um, but you know, it's a conversation. So tell us a little bit about your general um, career thus far. So tell us about your first move from the traditional clinical career. And why was that? I started my clinical career as a doctor in intensive care and anesthesiology unit. And um, it actually was the most well-paid job in the hospital. So when I was choosing my uh, specialization, I was looking at different, um, you know, like areas where I could do, um, where I could work. And I think a deal breaker was to learn that the the head of uh, intensive care unit has the highest salary in the hospital. And I was thought, Uh, okay, probably. (laughs) Remind us, where are you from? I'm from Eastern Europe, from Belarus. So I started my career in Minsk. And uh, I think I was always keen not only, you know, helping patients, but also, you know, earning something for myself. So, like, I think for many doctors, there is a bit of maybe not a shame, but a bit of a confusion to, you know, to put on a table their actually dreams about earning money or, you know, getting the life that they want to live uh, and, you know, supporting their families uh so i think for me uh, i admitted that like i i really want to work um and to help people but also to have some financial stability for myself so i i think i realized it early on so i started there and uh, i think for the young i i think i've had the same problems that most of the young doctors faced when you have this you know like your income doesn't match with the 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 prices for rent mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you don't have much of the budget left um, after you pay rent and doesn't give enough freedom and satisfaction um, so i was i started looking uh, in different directions where i can um, earn and there were different ways i could do i could probably spend more time, get more experience and then enter private practice or uh-huh. maybe start my own um, healthcare, small healthcare clinic. Um, but at that time, uh, I was excited about, you know, trying something new outside medicine and uh-huh. pharmaceutical business looked very interesting because I thought it's a big impact. You know, you join a company that uh, creates medical drugs that you use in a clinical practice. And I was very curious to understand how drugs are designed, how they're produced, how they're distributed. So I um, gained um, additional education in marketing and sales. And I joined um, a pharmaceutical company just to, to see and try without giving up my clinical experience. So at night I was working in the hospital. Right. And um, during the daytime, I was working um, in the office of a pharmaceutical right. company. I just wanted to stop you there, just to go back to something that you, you said, um, that you did some additional training in marketing and sales. So what gave you the foresight to say that was actually important as part of your career move? Well, you know, like when I started uh, to go to interviews uh, uh, for, to, to join Big Pharma, 
I just realized that, you know, they're asking me questions that I have no idea how to answer. So they were like financial terms, sales, marketing terms. And I realized that, you know, I spent so many years in medical school, but I actually don't know what is net income, what is cost of goods, what like marketing strategy. So I felt like I need education and I, um, I joined the business school and I also then uh, acquired a certification from Chartered Institute of Marketing here in UK. Wow. And it really helped me to understand world of marketing, sales and money better. Because what wow. like the kind of education we get in the medical school, at least me, it was a bit one sided. Uh, <laughs> so like very one sided. Yeah. So I know biology, I know chemistry, I know like how the body works, but I had no idea how money works, how sales are done, how business is done. And it's a different area of expertise that I think is really useful for day-to-day like life as well. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. And I think a lot of doctors, especially those listening to this podcast um, and those moving to industry, realize that there is this skills gap or knowledge gap like you've just described, where you know the healthcare and the actual doing of the healthcare, but not anything around the business side of things. So you've listed, you know, marketing, sales, finance, management, lead, you know, all of that stuff that you really have to seek out yourself if you are serious about going into those industries. And I think it's quite interesting that you pick that up in your interviews, especially in the pharma sector, where again, a lot of doctors don't necessarily associate needing sales or marketing or even finance to really get into pharma because it's kind of the closest thing to clinical that a lot of people will look at going to do that's non-clinical. So, I mean, I mean, that's fantastic. So how did that come across in some of those interviews then? Do you mean like, how did I realize that I lack knowledge? No, well, I like think you've you covered that more about, you know, since developing all of those skills, um, how did that put you, how did that come across moving forward so did you notice a difference in how people received you in interviews the kind of people you worked with and did it leverage your career path to say where you are today the fact that you had already had that quite a good foundation of say business knowledge yes of course like I felt immediately you know when you join a company uh, or you try to join a company and you know what you're talking about you know you, like they ask you questions okay what would you do with this product how would you sell it how would you what kind of marketing strategy would you propose and when you know the answers you can you know when you what when when what we, you are talking about is making sense of course it's much easier to get a job and now like i'm now in a position of a top manager in a med tech company like a health tech company flow health as you mentioned and um I run a medical department and although like sometimes we have open positions and there are really nice clinicians who want to join, who have deep knowledge of reproductive health, uh, this is not enough to join uh, Floor because you have to have knowledge of marketing, product, design, business, because, you know, just knowing how to treat uh, endometriosis wouldn't help you to build a health tech product to treat endometriosis for example i think that's the key point there actually and thank you so much for illustrating that that especially now there's a lot a lot of competition amongst doctors about getting into some of these i mean every other doctor i know wants to get into health tech and so the advice we give is like how can you differentiate yourself from other doctors and what can you offer beyond being a doctor 
right? And yes, it is those skills and knowledge and appreciation of actually you're going, you're not only going in with your clinical knowledge, but you're going into a business and this is what businesses need. This is a knowledge that they really need you to need, to, to have foundational appreciation of. And most of these things like doctors do work, do learn very quickly, especially in, in a supportive environment like that. And this is one of the things that we also talk about because we have this incubator for doctors who are moving to industry and we cover the commercial aspects as well as a core part of that alongside money. So going back to money, I feel like we've slightly digressed, but there's really interesting points that you've raised there. Um, so going back to uh, a career in pharma and money. So again, a lot of doctors actually, they choose careers that they know are going to be relatively lucrative. So is pharma, a career in pharma really as lucrative as they paint it? I think a career as pharma is interesting, but you know, I believe there are no good or bad jobs. Uh, I think every, everything starts with understanding who you are and what you like to do in your life. And even in pharma, there are different, like I would say, three different pathways that you can, or even four that you can, you know, you can go. And um, I be like, I would tell from my own experience. So. Mm, if you want to move out from clinical work and you know earn more money, if you don't want to stay in private medicine or start your own hospital and you want to join pharma, you have to understand like what kind of person you are. If you are more into science research, you can join like R&D department of a big pharma and then you will be involved in developing new drugs, re designing research studies and so on. Uh, if you feel like you're more into like guidelines, you, you are more creative, you want to work with marketing team, you can join like medical affairs department and the job of medical affairs in pharma. I'm a bit simplifying it because it depends on the company, but in general, like you will have a position of a medical advisor and then you will be helping business to create maybe advertisement based on the guidelines, some materials uh, to promote the drugs, and so on. And mm -hmm. you will still be very medical or very science if you join scientific uh, department, but you will be in the business. And probably, like, I'm almost sure that your salary will be higher and you will not be exposed to, you know, pros and cons in medicine. Like, you will not be seeing patients. You will be home at five or six depending on your working schedule you will sleep uh -huh. at, at night at, uh -huh. in your bed so there are pros if you feel like you know if you you were a kind of person who is feels that medicine is not enough like you know some people want to become t-shaped they you know they they're very creative they want to they're interested in sales or marketing so they can Acquire additional specialization in sales or marketing and join marketing and sales team. And to simplify, I think like the nature of marketing is to understand what the client wants and mm -hmm. how to package your product <laughs> yes, to uh, help the client solve his problem with your product. Yes, And if you feel you understand people, if you feel you're creative, you can become a product manager in marketing. Of course, you would need additional education because marketing is a you know is a separate 
way of <laughs> how to say occupation people study yeah. marketing for five years you can't go out of the hospital and become a good marketer but that's another pathway and the last one would be sales so if you feel like you love talking to people you love face-to-face -face interaction you've been selling lemonades or sweets when you were a child and you know you've been making your own small business you love this uh you can go to directly to sales, of course, also maybe having additional education. So uh -huh. all of those areas are well paid, but they are different. Which is the better paid ones? That's what we're all wondering. <laughs> it, you know, it depends. It, varies, it depends on the company. It, company. it yeah. depends on your yeah. position and it depends uh -huh. on how good you are. If you're a best sales manager, you will be earning more than a marketing director who is like not really good sure. in a not really good company. So it's like... I was going to say, sorry, at the end of the day, a lot of these roles, they don't necessarily have the word, the ones that doctors do, they don't necessarily have the word sales attached to it. So, and I think this is one of the problems that doctors, uh, that do doctors realise, especially when they first join pharma companies, uh, because initially it's like, well, you know, it's a doctor role, I won't have to be doing sales. But sales actually could be a very important component of that, even if you want, to, uh, you know, stereotypically a rep right um and yeah that's why having those skill sets is is actually seen as a value add because as you know doctors are expensive and pharma companies really want to get the value from you um so i mean what value do doctors bring in pharma health tech products what what is it that companies are saying yes i will this is why i'm going to pay for this at such a high level. Well, doctors have a knowledge of medicine uh, and you can't acquire knowledge of medicine just reading a, a book or watching a couple of videos. It's like it takes years. So like there are positions mm, in pharma that, that needs you, you need a deep knowledge of medicine. Uh, there's medicine and there's clinical. So like, what, what is the difference? Because obviously we see a lot of healthcare professionals who are going into health tech pharma. What really makes doctors stand out you know, beyond that? Again, it depends on the position. Sometimes uh, you don't have to have 10 years of clinical experience and be an amazing surgeon to become a marketing manager in big pharma. No, you just have to have basic knowledge of medicine and, you know, know how body works, know biochemistry works and medical guidelines work. But for some positions, I don't know, if you are like a medical director of a health tech company developing some surgical tools innovative yeah probably you have to be a good surgeon to say what was wrong with your tools when you were a surgeon how you can um, innovate what can you offer to the market so i would say it depends on the position and you know like in it there is an approach of uh, continuous testing so mm -hmm. uh, if you my advice to anyone who is who wants to move from clinical work to some to some other industry, go and try. Talk to people. Try uh, free jobs. Try project-based jobs in different companies, uh, in different countries, if it's possible, of course. Uh, and then you will feel where you belong, because you'll never know. You have to be really <laughs> like very self-aware, very experienced to understand. Okay, looks like. I will be very valuable for this company. But like you have to try different things to understand who you are and where you can be more um, 
valuable. Absolutely. Self-awareness is actually one of the most important things that doctors should and especially they're going to industry invest in. And that's something we we talk about a lot, increasingly a lot. I can say from a personal perspective, you know, someone who has both therapy and coaching and mentoring, again, as a way, a way of understanding myself better, um, because obviously that has an impact on what I achieve, what I do. Um, it's something that I think doctors organically, it's not something that they really do. Uh, but as you know, a lot of us, especially as a result of the last few years of COVID, have become burnout, burnt out, institutionalized, overworked, overstressed. Um, and, you know, they, they do need that support to actually make a success of their career, make the impact they want, um, considering all the other stuff that's going, probably going on in their heads. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, you, we've talked about pharma, we've talked about IT. And actually, let's talk about health tech, because obviously you're in this role, as a senior leadership role now, which is really exciting. Um, but just generally talking about earning a lot of money in health tech, because obviously health tech, and I'm talking about career-wise or salary-wise, because obviously health tech is a relatively new sector in itself. It's still emerging. You have early-stage companies. You've got venture-backed companies. Um, and there's always a concern there's just not enough money swilling around. So for doctors who want to go into health tech, again, this is a very broad question, what kind of salary expectations uh, would they should they look for or expect, um, especially in leadership positions? Uh, it depends on the company because, you know, for Apple Health, it would be different from, you know, a startup who is sitting in the basement and just starting uh, the, <laughs> their journey. And in health tech, you know, there is a component of salary and also equity. So you mm-hmm. may get not only salary, but also uh, like stock options that are actually, you know, you can then sell them for quite a lot of money if the company becomes successful. So it's different. Yeah, let's I would... talk a little bit about that, I was going to say, because again, because obviously you and me, we're in the space, we understand all those terminology, but perhaps most doctors, especially if they're not entrepreneurs or in the business um, space, really understand what equity is. So would you, would you, should we, should we talk about that a little bit and actually how that translates to value for a doctor going into health tech? So yeah, would you want to, so from, from my understanding, <laughs> uh, especially as a, two, a double business owner in two businesses, um, e- equity is basically a part of your company. So ownership of a company. So you could, okay, you could join Apple, for example, and Apple says, we want you to stay for as long as possible. In order to do that, we're going to promise that you will get a certain amount of Apple as long as you stay X number of years. The longer you stay, the more of that bit that we're promising you, you get. That's what they call kind of options and that converts into shares. And at some point, either sometimes when the, the company is sold or it goes public, which has mean that it goes on the stock market, you can get the value of whatever the, the company's, whatever your slice of the company is worth back. And that can be in cash most of the times. That can be transferred to other things. Um, but is, is that is that what do you need to add anything to that or correct me? No, you're absolutely <laughs> correct. That that I think that you know th- this component was invented as a motivational tool for people and tool for retain mm-hmm, like to mm-hmm. retain people in the company. And yes, if you like the trick with equity is that uh, to make most of it, you have to join a smaller company 
on an early stage mm-hmm. because the earlier you join, uh, the cheaper equity actually costs and the more mm-hmm. you get. And if you stay long enough, and then if the company grows and becomes successful, uh, you can become rich. But it's again, uh, yeah. it's a lucky, like it's, it's a, a it's a risk well. and it's a lottery because you know, out of ten startups that get investment, only one actually survives in five years. So it's a lottery. So you it's you know you have to believe in the company that you're joining. But then in the end, you can benefit from it. But I think like what we missed here is that you, you've been asking about numbers and salary expectations. And I think that probably people <laughs> people would want to hear the numbers. numbers. So like <laughs> we've been doing... Uh, Let's do it. Salaries differ. And uh, they depend on position because uh, there are market benchmarks for salaries. And if we talk about if you're iOS, if you're a doctor who became iOS developer or a data scientist, you can earn up to two hundred, you know, two hundred thousand uh, pounds per year. Uh, but like, let's talk about roles that are more or less connected to medicine. So it's like maybe research scientist, medical advisor, medical director. So I would say in health tech. Benchmarks would start maybe from 40,000 if you're joining uh, up to probably maybe 90 if you are not not on a manager position, but you're very senior, but depends on the company. These are in companies who have had at least a certain amount of funding. Of course. No, it's not a startup that, you know, is barely surviving. And then like maybe uh, you can... If you're a manager, you would earn around 100,000 or 150, depending on the company. But to be honest, um, it's much more, <laughs> it's better in terms of money to become a data scientist or iOS developer mm-hmm. or infrastructure engineer or security now. Security uh, engineers are very well paid. So um, I would say that in health tech, People who are not tech <laughs> are paid less than tech people. That's the reality that we have to accept. So, um, mm-hmm. and I wouldn't say that health tech currently pays more than pharma. I would say they are more or less the same. Um, ju- okay. Just because pharma is more profitable. I don't think we can compare. Uh, I don't think there are any health tech companies. I mean, not pharma, but like tech purely tech not medical devices that earn more than traditional pharma who you know earn billions billions of dollars yeah i mean like most of these pharma companies you know the pharma sector is very well established it's been around for a long time you've got global global franchises and etc etc so yeah but i mean tech is still emerging but that's interesting that you know you see this similar salaries in both in you know say how do you say um companies that have a certain level of funding usually series b plus um okay cool so like any any other so beyond health tech anything else you can think of where doctors are paid uh very well so one of the things we talk about is setting up your own business whatever that is uh consulting is I'm saying setting up your own consulting business as a solopreneur is another way you can earn a lot of money quite quickly potentially and the key within that 
is not actually what you're doing. Well, A, you have to be solving an expensive problem for the clients that you're targeting. And B, you need to then be charging. And I talked about this in um, a podcast on um, health tech with Alice McGee is the type of pricing or pricing strategy that you employ. And if you want to earn a lot of money quickly, I say quickly, but earn a lot of money, but not work loads of hours. One of the things you talk about is premium pricing, um, which is where you don't charge by the hour, which is a conventional way of doing it, but you charge by the value that you're providing, the value in the service that you're providing. Um, again, that's another way that you can actually start earning a lot of money without um, basically having to do billions of hours and work for yourself and choose what you want to do, et cetera, et cetera. And actually, it depends on when this is going to be released, but we teach this in the Doctors in Industry Incubator. And we also um, do this in a masterclass on non-clinical consulting because most doctors don't know how to work for themselves. They don't know how to get started. Um, and I think it's such an important skill that they need to learn. Did you ever work for yourself? I'm doing consulting. I'm doing consulting. Uh, You're doing it now? Uh, in, in health tech. But like I never worked for myself when I was in hospital. And I would say I never even dare to think about it. So yeah, I don't know the way that? I think. I don't know how education works here in UK. But the way like I've been taught is that like it was very straightforward. Like you come to the hospital, you do your job. And then they give you like this amount of money by the end of the month. So I was never thinking of outside the box. What else can I do? What else? Can I offer it to people? Can I start a private practice? I was like, I was living in the world of dreams, I think, before I joined the industry. I didn't know how money works. And I mm -hmm. still, I'm still learning. I'm still learning. I think I spent in health tech yeah. and pharma around 10 years in total. And before that, I spent mm -hmm. most of my life in medical school and working in the hospital. So I'm still more more yeah. of a doctor in my brain than a business person um let's see if it's going to change <laughs> uh -huh. i think it will inevitably because you do, do you do any clinical work at the moment no not anymore at some point i had to make a choice because i couldn't work you know for for years like uh, at night in the hospital and then at, uh, during the day in the office it was just too when i was less than 30 i think i could do this but when i was getting older and older my health it wasn't sustainable so yeah i had to make a hard choice although i still miss medicine and probably i would never get those emotions that you can get when you you know save a life of a patient who uh, who is really damaged and in severe state you you will not for me mm, salary business achievement they never been a bit like such a boost of they never caused the boost of dopamine um that helping people did i so i still miss medicine but business is really interesting area also it is really interesting always changing constant challenges constant problem solving all this uncertainty but a lot of fun doing it um, and then, you know, one of the final points we're going to discuss is, you know, how, how can, so, I mean, you can earn a lot of money and that's great. And whatever lucrative career that you've decided when it comes to career choices, but how do you make sure you keep, A, keep that money 
and B, really maximize it to its full potential. <laughs> so, I mean, have you have you got any, because again, like this is a thing that we see again and again. I speak from a personal perspective as well as seeing hundreds of thousands of doctors and knowing what the sea change is, is that as doctors, we don't have the, cap- the vocabulary of money and finances. It just doesn't come to us naturally. And um, we're not, known I mean again broad brush rates are not known to being great with numbers um so is there any other ways that you can think of whereby once you earn that money that you have the best chance of you know doing the most with it so that you are living a sustainably financial like a financial and sustainable life where if there is a point where you're not earning for whatever reason or you decide to take a break that you're not 100% relying on working and not taking a gap between jobs kind of thing. Have you got any thoughts on that? Oh, yeah. That's the question I'm thinking about now heavily, thinking about mm-hmm. the future and how to ensure that I have financial stability. Well, I think mm-hmm. like for me, like the trick is that, of course, I have to earn more than I spend. And like looking, starting with basics, like uh, looking at like how much I spent, what are the most like, the biggest expenditure items for me and then thinking about like can i pay less for my rent can i you know maybe move to cheaper location and then the money that i save uh i think if you're smart enough you can probably start in your own businesses or investing in the companies which might be you know triple uh, your income but I think maybe a simpler advice would be just, uh, you know, bank deposits, saving accounts, investing in low risk uh, instruments like uh, S&P 500. So like looking start, my advice would be start reading about probably low risk, well known, well established instruments like uh, bank, uh, bank, account, bank savings and investment in low risk uh, financial instruments. On the stock market okay i mean like at the end of the day yeah i mean i think that's that's really good and it, well technically speaking we are not allowed to be giving financial advice yeah of course no <laughs> just, just to clarify we are not giving financial advice here in case it's you're a disclaimer this, we are not fca regulated and we're both doctors here so we are not the best people but yeah that is an option of actually getting financial advice to then decide what works best for your financial situation so many of you would have heard of a number of different financial advice advisement uh, advisory companies um, or organizations so I always say to everyone get an independent financial advisor who can then let you know what are the best options that work with your personal situation because everybody is different but that is number one thing number two thing I always advise is especially if you are changing careers, you're moving to industry or becoming self-employed or even employed, I say get an accountant uh, because they're going to help you in the tax, particularly the tax side of things. So your biggest outgoing in life, other than your mortgage, is going to be your tax. So why would you not want to proactively manage that? Amazing, am- <laughs> amazing, <laughs> amazing observation, not advice or... Yeah, observation. <laughs> so I say get the right advice. Just like, you know, you, if you people come to us for medical advice. Oh, yes, I was just going to so, say this. You know, yeah, so people go to financial advisors and accountants for financial advice, right? So it's the same thing. And it's, again, an amazing investment. Um, 
you know, accountants aren't a lot of money in the great, uh, uh, with reference to the amount of money that you can save. Same goes for independent financial advisors. So I always like to hone in on that, how important it is. So it doesn't matter whether you're on a 250K, 500K salary. If you can't manage your money, it's like a lot of stuff down the drain and a lot of financial responsibility that you can't upkeep. That's all I can say really about that. But um, yeah, it's important. So if there's anything you remember from this podcast, (laughs) get the right financial advice. Yeah. (laughs) And don't get it from another doctor. Yeah unless they're qualified um, in that. So, yeah, have you got any thoughts on that? Yeah, I absolutely, absolutely agree with you. And, uh, like, I think it was the place for you to, to say, that's the good financial advisor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, maybe, like, to maybe to sum up uh, about potential opportunities yeah. for the doctor, I think, like, if I could give myself an advice, uh, old me... Yeah. Uh, I would say that just first you have to make a hard choice. Are you ready to give up clinical career and medicine and all the years you invested in your education and stop being a doctor? So if you are ready, so there is a lot of there are a lot of opportunities what you can do in life besides, you know, medicine. Uh-huh. You can become an engineer, you can become a designer, you can become a businessman. I don't know, a blogger anyone and uh, there are many ways to earn money if you want to stay in medicine and somehow be exposed to patients probably doing your own clinical practice would give you more money maybe relocating to a country that pays doctors more like us uh, switzerland luxembourg they have higher salaries is an option maybe going to Mm. work in you know like dubai where they love doctors Mm. from Europe and the the salaries are higher and taxes are very low. Then if you are ready to give up 50% of your like medical career, maybe forget about the patients, but still be exposed to medicine, then pharma, biotech, research, health tech, that's an option where you're still a bit of a doctor, but maybe not a doctor anymore. uh, So you're in between. So there are many avenues you can take in changing your career. And I think what changed over the last 30 years, maybe the doctors who are now 50, 60 years old, they were not, they were not even trying and thinking that there is something else outside medicine that they can do. Um, mm-hmm. And for our generation, uh, our life expectancy is longer the world is changing. So why not try to live different lives to work 10 years as a doctor and then work 10 years as a blogger and then 10 years to be, I don't know, someone else. So world is different now. People, companies, they, they really value T-shaped professionals. And now... Yeah, what I was going to say, what does T-shaped mean? T-shaped means that uh, there is a... Like, doctor is a... (laughs) eye-shaped professional. He knows only medicine well. T-shaped professional is someone who knows something outside medicine. So a doctor who Mm. knows data science, a doctor who knows marketing, a doctor who knows how to do YouTube videos. (laughs) So that's the T-shape. There are also M-shaped people who have more pillars, like three pillars, and 
there are uh, triple triples, yeah. And I see that companies are now looking uh, at people who have experience outside one area because all innovations they happen um, in between. So you you can get rich or you can innovate when you take, for example, um, you take uh, an idea for one industry and then use it for in, for 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 another. For example, Uber. Like they took an idea from traditional transportation and they took tech solution and innovated. Yeah. And there are yeah, plenty yeah. of examples. So that's why T-shaped people are so valuable now because they know problems from one area, solutions from a from a second area, and they yeah. can offer ideas that that are changing the world and ideas that are helping to oh. solve problems. Absolutely. I think those are really great examples. And my last thought, we've talked about changing jobs as a way to find a, a well-paid career. How about in current job, um, maybe not if you're in the public sector, because you can't, you, you get told where you're paid, <laughs> not the other way around, you can't ask. You, you can know, strike, you get told but, it's, but we're not yeah, advising. You, you can strike. Like, we're not advising to strike. <laughs> yeah, well, well, well I <laughs> yes, yes. Strikes. Strikes, strikes another way of trying to get paid more but it won't work um not in the not in the shorter term anyway but we but another thing people can do doctors can do particularly when they're in the industry role is ask for more money for their current job right and i think again it's not something that we're used to doing because we're used to just being told what we will be paid but one thing to also consider especially if you are looking for it to increase your income is to ask for more money for either the current job you're doing or get a promotion oh, can i can key... i can i add my five yeah. cents as a manager here uh i yeah. i like i get requests from people who want to earn more and oh yes of course. and as a manager yeah, yeah, i can tell you how it feels so i would say okay. just coming and saying i want to earn more is not is say, not as, but... as effective as coming it. and saying how can i Value. how can i earn more like i want mm -hmm. to increase my salary how can i learn earn more and i think like a healthy manager a good manager would say amazing you want to earn more and we have like a challenging project that you can own you can drive and then you'll get a rise or a promotion because just coming and saying i want more, give me more money because probably mm. it might work in some cases but it wouldn't help on the long run mm -hmm. but how you can get a really I good think, advice from your manager or people you're talking to yeah and i think uh, you're right i think it's very important to have that as a proactive ongoing conversation rather than a one day hey can i have some more cash but one of the things i was going to say is also about really understanding what the what your value is to the particular company or the team and how you can say in working with you for the foreseeable future i can also add this value what do you think about that would that be would that be worth more to the team, et cetera, et cetera? So have it as a collaborative conversation rather than just can you give me more? Unless you're referring to inflation, yeah. for example, where you say actually my salary is worth more now, can you increase that? <laughs> um, so so yeah. But anyway, I think we've come to the end of this uh, really <laughs> riveting discussion about the M word for money. It's been great. It's been really insightful. Um, and really want to thank you for your time. And if anyone, Anna, wants to get hold of you, uh, what's the best way of doing that? Uh, I think you can contact me in LinkedIn and then 
have a look have a look at your profile yep. and yeah awesome all right thank you so much Anna. i really appreciate your time thank you so much for inviting me it was amazing conversation thank you.